0: And welcome to Sunday Coffee, Bart Gregory, Charlie Winfield. I'm in the Southeastern Sports Group Studios in downtown Starkville. Charlie has been running a marathon somewhere on the East Coast. Charlie's hurting this morning from running 26 miles, something that I don't do because nobody's chasing me. But I'm playing hurt this morning because we had – Man, we had some long nights at the ballpark, Charlie. I know you had a chance to watch all three games. I tell you what, just looking back, I'm kind of all I did was talk yesterday, and I'm I'm sore.
1: Well, it's understandable. It was interesting watching those games to me. That you go from that ball game on Friday, that's up late, you're staying up, and then you got to come back and play too. And I had it in my head, and you explained this well in the broadcast. I had it in my head we'd have two sevens. But two nines, that's a long day of baseball and on into the night of baseball. So you guys were uh, earning your paycheck yesterday.
0: You know, when you get ready for a doubleheader, two nines, and then you front end that sucker with 12 innings, I mean, it just – and we talked about it from a pitching standpoint. I think that's the thing that really stands out to me this weekend is how much you had to use your bullpen and had to to strategically use your bullpen – and I, I look at Chris Lamontis was trying to, to press some buttons. Here's the thing about it, Charlie. You play 30 innings of baseball. You play three extras in the game on Friday and then you know, two nines yesterday. You play 30 innings of baseball, and out of those 30 innings, you use 19 out of the bullpen and 11 with your starting pitching. That's the thing that, that I look at, and, and everything has been talked about the depth of this team – but I look at, man, you've really got some guys who really stepped up this weekend. Of course, we know what Landon Sims is going to do, and, and we'll talk about that in a few minutes about using him and using him the length of the time in the game on Friday. But, man, there was also some other guys. I, I think of a Cam Tuller that's using all three games. I, I think of a, a Houston Harding who was good yesterday, went five innings, no runs, four hits. I mean there's some guys throughout this bullpen Stone Simmons pitched in back-to-back days. See you had some you had some players and had some pitchers who really performed well this weekend and you had to have all of them.
1: Coming into the weekend you're not sure how those innings obviously are going to be allocated. I think we would want more innings from our starters if you could get it. But if we were sitting down making predictions about the weekend and you told me that we were going to have a Mississippi State pitcher throw in all three games. And not just throw, but throw when you needed him. Throw in leverage situations. I don't know that I'm picking Cam Tuller, not because I have anything against him. It just wouldn't have occurred to me. We spent so much time talking about Landon Sims and Parker Stannett and Preston Johnson and those guys. But Cam Tuller really seems to be emerging as a guy right now that Mississippi State coaches are, are willing to count on. And the thing that he did, we saw a couple of guys run out across the mound even in multiple games, and not perform well in either. But Tuller did his job all three times that he came in out of the bullpen. And you just wonder, as this year goes on, I go back to something we've talked about a lot. It's really easy to talk about having 24, 25, 26 pitchers, but there's going to be a separation point. There's going to be a breaking point. And there's going to be this time in the year, and I think we're there or real close, where you start to figure out who the 7, 8, 9, 10 guys are, that the Bulldog coaches are really comfortable with. And all of a sudden, Cam Tuller seems to put himself right there in that mix.
0: And I think you saw that last night in the eighth inning when we've got the lead. We've just scored four runs in the bottom of the seventh. We come back out for the eighth, and Mikey Tepper comes in, walks a couple of guys, and then we go to Chase Patrick. He walks a guy. And you could tell Chris Lamonis was visibly Ooh. upset. I mean, he, he he was out there with a purpose. And it was like, you know what, that gummit, I'm gonna go back and I'm I'm gonna pull out a safety blanket. And it was almost like Cam Tuller had become that. And then he goes to the final one and two thirds. So I think you saw last night one of those situations. This is not a knock. I mean, is a freshman. Patrick is he's kind of a matchup type guy trying to get some sync and he wasn't getting sync. But it was like, hey, listen we're going to throw strikes. we got a big league. We're going to throw strikes, and I'm going back to the bullpen and get a guy that I know that can throw strikes.
1: And what's interesting about it, too, for all the talk of unicorns and strikeouts and all those things, Tuller is not a guy who is going to come in and strike out a bunch of guys. He did have a strikeout in the ballgame on Friday, but then you look at the ball game yesterday in game two, he goes an inning and two-thirds, two strikeouts. But what he was doing, he was getting flyouts. He was getting guys getting under the ball. And all of a sudden, I'm telling you, we get so caught up in those big ticket numbers like strikeouts. But you do not have to be a strikeout pitcher to be successful. And I think Tuller is shown right now, I know, look, it helps he's from the left side. But he is a guy who has done a good job of throwing strikes and competing and ultimately at that point of the ballgame yesterday, what we needed was not to beat ourselves when it looked like we were trying to. And I was really pleased with the way he came back. And not just coming back. I mean, he pitched earlier in the day. He pitched the day before. That shows you something about that kid. And I'm I'm really excited about where he's headed.
0: Okay, let's look at Friday night. Christian McLeod. And let's look at our starting pitching. Christian McLeod in the game on Friday. Comes out. Really struggled early on. Loaded the bases. Gave up a leadoff double in the first inning, but able to work out of that trouble in the first inning. Then the second inning, he settles in, one, two, three. Third inning, gives up a one-out double to Austin Bost. And then the fourth inning rolls around. Logan Britt, infield single, nothing you can do about that. Bryce Blom singles through the left side. And then you had a ground ball to the third baseman, and you know, Cameron James trying to make that across the body throw, throws it away, two runs score. So three runs come home in that fourth inning. He was able to work his way through it, gave up a couple more hits. He got a fly out and a ground out to end the inning, and that was all we saw from Christian McLeod. He gave up seven hits in the game. And, and, Charlie, we get caught up in analytics now. We get caught up in is Chris Lamonas And you see this on the message board sometimes. Is he leaving guys in a little bit too long? I don't think so because here's Christian McLeod at four innings of work. He's thrown 64 pitches. He's kind of right on target, right at 15 pitches an inning. He's given up a, a few hits. He's a tough luck guy on an error that gives up two runs right there. In the old days – under Pat McMahon, under Ron Polk, Christian McCloud's going back out for the fifth inning.
1: Yeah, it only faced 21 guys. And as you say, I mean, balls were being put in play. He wasn't walking anybody. He didn't have a wild pitch. He did hit a guy, but for the most part, he was throwing strikes. And I think what you're seeing are a couple of things. One is that analytics and the, the key to that face 21 guys. That means he had gone through the order two complete times And all the numbers tell you that third time through the order, you're typically not going to be as good. And I think sometimes coaches, you know, you see a guy have some tough luck plays behind him. And even though it's not their fault, I think sometimes I worry a little bit that a guy's going to unravel. And sometimes it's just good for a change of momentum, a change of something. But McLeod has been okay at times. You would like to have seen him gone six innings in that game. Uh, But I think you're exactly right. I think if, that's the old days. That's exactly what happens. I Just with guys like Preston Johnson sitting behind him, I don't know that there's the need to do that.
0: And then Preston Johnson comes in, pitches okay. I mean, he, he was two and a third, gave up three runs, two earned. We had an error in the sixth inning. I mean, there's this a situation where Logan Tanner throws a ball down, it skips pass right off the glove. You try to make a tag and try to catch the ball, make a tag at the same time. It goes into center field. That guy ends up scoring. So there's one run. And then a, a home run. You've got a pinch hit home run in the seventh inning from Minich. And so Preston Johnson comes out. We go to Chase Patrick. We give up the two-run bomb in the seventh inning. And all of a sudden, Texas A&M is up 7-3. And in the back of your mind, you're like, man, okay, all right, A&M came out. And that's the thing about A&M. And I had this question asked yesterday about, hey, did we just play poorly? on Friday, and then A&M just played well. Listen, this is an A&M team that went to Arkansas, won a game, and lost a 2-1 10-inning game. And these are the weekends that show you, Charlie, even though that, hey, going in, man, we need a sweep. We got to have a sweep. Their record's not very good. Just how good the SEC is from top to bottom, this is really what shows you that. Auburn went to, to Georgia and won two out of three this weekend a a good ball club. I mean, there's no dogs in the SEC, and we'll see Missouri in a couple weeks, but Missouri has some decent wins. That's the thing that stands out to you about playing in this league. Of Even though you know you've got to win three or would like to win three, winning three is very tough in the SEC. And then all of a sudden you look out there in the seventh inning and you're down seven to three. But what's funny about the whole situation is when Patrick gives up that two-run home run to Blom in the bottom of the seventh inning, we go to Stone Simmons, and then Cam Tuller, Parker Stened, and then three innings from Landon Sims, and those guys do not give up a hit the rest of the way. That was big time.
1: You and I talked about this so many times about our visit with Josh Lovelady right as the season was beginning. And he said something that's really stuck with, I think, with both of us. And that is this idea that college baseball right now, the separation point, is the back three innings, seven eight nine. Of course, we needed some extras in this one. But I think that's what you're saying. And if I had to identify a problem with Texas A&M, you get to the back of their bullpen and they're going to struggle. I think we're in a year right now where – even the teams, we said coming in that there are going to be a lot of 500 teams in this league, teams that finish you know, records you know 15 and 15 who are going to be really good baseball teams. I think what you see in Texas A&M is a team that's really good, but we're in a year where those little separation points matter, and we're in a year where little things are magnified. You go back to that game on Friday and say, what might that ball game have turned on against us? just an error here and there, a ball skipping into center field. One little thing, I think the competition level in this league is so high this year that one little thing can change it. Now, it just so happens that if we get into that separation point of the backside, particularly in that opening game of the weekend, if you've got Parker Spinnett sitting there, you've got Landon Sims sitting there, you know what? If you lose, you lose, but you got to feel really, really good about the chances right there. And it was interesting to me, Bart, the number of people who were complaining about, you know, we've blown Landon Sims. Why do you lose Landon Sims? I thought when we sent Landon Sims to the mound on Friday, we were basically just saying, good luck, boys. If you beat us, you beat us, but we're about to throw everything we got at you. And it's got to be a little bit demoralizing if you're sitting in the Texas A&M dugout to know that the guy who just came in to take the ball, it's not bringing in Generalis Chapman. It's not bringing in a guy who can gas it up for four hitters. The thing about Sims, as electric as he is, we know that he's capable of going four innings. And I'd be willing to bet, knowing the competitor that Landon Sims is, there wasn't anybody taking that ball back, whether we'd been there all night or not. I just thought at that point we said, we're winning the ball game, and all we need is somebody to figure out a way to get us a run.
0: And that's exactly what I thought, of whether this thing is about to be 1-10 or 1-15. We got Landon Sims out there, and, hey, good luck A&M. Good luck scratching out a run. We're just going to try to outlast you. And we were able to outlast the team. And then Tanner Allen walks it off with a home run in the 12th inning. We win that game, and it really changed the complexion going into yesterday. And you kind of wondered how A&M would bounce back. But, you know, you, you look back at Friday night, and look at how it kind of unwound for Texas A&M in that seventh inning. They've got the 7-3 to three lead. What do you have to do if you're A&M? If you're doing an A&M podcast this morning, what do you say? we got a four-run lead. What's the worst thing that can possibly happen? You walk the leadoff guy in the seventh inning, and that's what Cameron James did. He drew a walk. Luke Hancock got a hit. Then all of a sudden, you got a guy at the plate, Logan Tanner, who can run one out of the yard, and that's what he did. Went the other way. And that home run, getting him from 7-3 to three to 7-6, to six, it was almost like it, it turned the worm a little bit. And I, I was talking yesterday morning with our good friend Jason Crowder. He was on our show. And, of course, our thanks to the fine folks at WFCA for putting our show out of left field on every week on Thursday nights. And I told Jason, I was like, here's the thing. When you look, think about LSU – 10, 12 years ago, when they first built the box down in Baton Rouge, and, of course, in the old box as well, if you were ever watching a score and you said, okay, LSU's down by two and they're going to the bottom of the eighth inning, what's the thought process that always came to your mind? Oh, they got this. They're coming back. It was almost like that Alex Box magic. I'm telling you, it's something about this ballpark. It's something about this place. And even though when, you, when you're when you down, when you get it back to a one-run game in the seventh inning, in the back of my mind, it's like, okay, who's going to be the guy? Sooner or later, you're going to figure it out, who's going to be the guy. And that's what we did in the ninth inning. Cumbus leads off with of a double. We get the ground ball to move him to the third. Forsyth hits the, the sacrifice fly. You tie the game at seven. And it was almost in the back of your mind. And this is not any arrogance in any way. It's just beginning to get the feels of being at the ballpark that this team is going to find a way late.
1: I will say this, Bart. I enjoyed some of the discussion you guys were having at times about bunning or not bunning. I think you had said, what would I do versus what Crystal Bonus would do. It's interesting. You've got Tanner Leggett up there trying to get down a bunt. Can't do it. And then gets the ground ball to the right side and moves the runner anyway. I don't know right now who on this team are you comfortable with going to the plate saying put down a bunt. Is there anybody?
0: I mean, I would say maybe De Brule because just because he he's a guy that that's hit some of the top of the order and probably had to been asked to bunt some in his career. But in today's game I don't trust it. And it was so funny, you know, as you start talking about, you know, people, and this is not a knock on, you know, on people that, that, that talk on message boards or tweet at you or whatever. And, you know, we had Skinner at the plate the other night in the bases loaded situation. We, we pinch hit Combust with Skinner. They've got a drop-down guy, which is a tough matchup for a right-handed hitter. And so we, we get Skinner in the game, and the first tweet I see is somebody saying, oh, we got a bun. You got to bun him. And it was so funny, I, I looked at Coach Polk, I, I hit the, we got a cough button, you know, and that way we can kind of talk with each other <laughs> and, and make our little side comments without it going over the air. And I hit the cough button, I looked at Coach Polk, I said, hey, I got a guy's tweeting saying we need to bunt. And he was like, that would be the dumbest thing you could ever do. <laughs> and so that's, uh, you know, <laughs> it's just, a, it's it's amazing sometimes, and this is not, hey, the intelligence level of the game of baseball, but in that situation with two outs and the bases loaded, that's just not Where it is, and that's that's one of the things that really stands out. The intricacies of this game you have to play it by the numbers, but then you also have to play it by feel. And I, I mean, I don't want this show to, to seem like this is the Chris Lamona's agent hour, but that's one of the things that stands out to me about Chris. And what I really like about him is because, yeah, we do play a lot of numbers, we do play the numbers a lot with shifts, but it's also you look at Cumbus playing in the lineup the rest of the weekend. That's not a numbers game. When you got two right-handed starters and Bryce Miller, and then you've got Detmer yesterday in the second game, and you're starting a right-handed hitter in left field, that's not numbers. That's feel. That's kind of old school. And so that's that's kind of what you got with, with Lamonis. He's a pretty good mix of the new age analytics, but the old guy, you know what? I just kind of like the way this guy's swinging the bat.
1: Different story on the bunt, maybe, if it's second and third, rather than having the fourth, right?
0: Yeah, you got the fourth. Maybe the you'll play. take
1: a chance. Yeah, so, because you've got the bases loaded, that's, to me, the the big, defining thing. Now, if we'd have had a guy on third, we're on second and third, maybe you take a chance at pushing one. But ultimately, I just don't think that anybody on this team, it, we don't have the kind of guy that's going to just drop one down and beat it out very often. I just don't think that's who we are. And candidly, we don't have a guy who's going to sacrifice very often either. And that's the thing. It's interesting when people start talking about we need to bunt here or we need to... You know, sacrifice or squeeze. It's almost like we always assume in discussing it that it's going to work. We saw a guy for A and M bunt foul three times this weekend,
0: didn't we? Yeah, we did. And then if you pop it up, if you pop a bunt up in that situation, the other seventy five percent are going to say, "What are you doing, bunting right there?" But I, I, I digress. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to force the issue about about a bunt situation. So this, let's, let's look at the game. Yesterday, the the two games yesterday. So you've played 12 innings the night before. You've burned your big bullet in Landon Sims. And then you come out yesterday and, you know, A&M comes out. They get the early single. We score one run in the fourth inning, a a couple of walks. And they had their troubles with Bryce Miller in the fourth inning. He walked some guys. We score a couple of runs in the fifth. Charlie, I, I look back at that first game yesterday. They had a home run with Boast in the sixth inning. And I hate to keep using this term because we used it some talking about Missouri and football. I thought that first game yesterday was pretty boring. I thought it was vegetable lasagna. I really did. I, I just looked back at that game, and it was a one-run game. But it was just really nothing stands out to you. Ornelas did a pretty good job coming out of the bullpen for Bryce Miller. You know, We had Brandon Smith who, who came in and, and pitched, pitched okay. And then Cam Tuller and Stone Simmons finished it out. I thought Stone did a good job of finishing that thing out yesterday. But nothing really stands out to you at all about that second game.
1: I'll tell you what stands out to me, and that is that Bryce Miller for AM is a pretty good pitcher when he's throwing strikes. We think about that obviously with Sarantola. We've talked about, you know, if the guy could just find the strike zone, but Bryce Miller walks eight guys. You know, there were fifteen walks in that ball game yesterday. It's interesting, I've gone back and done some looking at SEC statistics over the past eight, nine years, strikeouts are rising dramatically, but walks are too. Walks are up about one and a half to a game over that period of time, not per team, but overall. And so it's interesting to me that college baseball is becoming a game in so many ways you win with strikeouts and you lose with walks. And I thought A and M showed that yesterday because that's a ball game that we win three to two. Think about that, A and M when they weren't walking people, they were really good. But they walked eleven guys and still allowed only three runs. I thought it made for candidly of uh, my afternoon of laying on the bed and watching baseball. Uh, it just wasn't a terribly exciting game at times. And you know we only had six hits in the game, but you go back and. You look, Tanner Allen again has a multiple-hit game. Luke Hancock seems to be kind of catching fire again at the plate. He had a couple of hits. But, boy, just not a lot to write home about other than guys you know, taking the free base.
0: We had walked 10 times against North Alabama early in the year, and I think we left the ballpark that night saying, man, that was tough. That was tough to watch. North Alabama just wasn't very good on the mound, and they, and they, and they were not. But A&M walking 11 batters in the game yesterday, that, that's kind of unheard of. And then the second game last night, you know, we, we jump out. a scores the two runs in the second inning. We really didn't have a whole lot of energy. And Chris Lamonas talked about this in the postgame last night. He was talking about how we really didn't have a whole lot of energy in the first game of the doubleheader. He says, hey, I got on our guys a little bit. And then we start the second game, and it was like, you know what? We don't have a lot of energy at all. But it was like that two-run home run from Brad Cumbest in the bottom of the second inning that tied the game at two. That really kind of opens you up a little bit. A&M comes back. They score a run in the third inning. We get the answer back. Luke Hancock with a two-out. That was really one of our first two-out RBI singles all weekend. I don't know if we had any other ones. The two-out hits. and Hancock gets that single through the center into center field. We score Tanner Allen. We tie the game at three. And then we score two more runs in the fourth inning. A big double by Forsythe. He had an RBI single by Rowdy Jordan. We take the five three lead. And then we, you know, we go to the bullpen. Houston Harding keeps it where it is. I go back to what we said Friday night. How key is it to keep it where it is at seven to six? And we did that yesterday. We kept that lead at five to three. And then A&M just kind of falls apart. They have a big error with two outs. Just a routine ground ball, I thought, right up the middle. Logan Tanner hit it. Second baseman couldn't field it cleanly. And then we put together three straight hits. Fielder's choice. you got a Tanner Leggett. We talked about him a couple weeks ago, running out of pop-up over to Auburn. He runs extremely hard to slide into second base. He beats an underhand toss. Keeps the inning alive. Rowdy Jordan has a two-run single. And we end up scoring four runs, which is a huge, 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 plays in the ball game so then you press the lead out A&M comes back gets a couple runs in the eighth inning and that's when we went to Cam Tuller who kind of shut the door after the walks in the eighth inning and for all intents and purposes that was it okay so looking back at 10,000 feet just macro we knew coming into the weekend A&M had been a team that has struggled we really needed to have a sweep to kind of keep pace in the SEC that's the third sweep this year you sweep on the road at Auburn, you sweep at home against Kentucky, and now you sweep Texas A&M. For all intents and purposes, that's a good weekend for State.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I thought the thing that I really liked about the weekend, and and I'll tell you that game three, the the second game yesterday, the thing that I really liked is something you touched on, and that is the ability to respond. When A&M did something well, they put two runs on the board in the second, we match it in the bottom half. They put a run on the board in the third, we match it in the bottom half, and we do it different ways. In the second, we've got the two-run home run. In the third, we piece together some hits, we got a two-out hit. A lot was made of this team early in the season that you can't hit, that we can't, you know, we were not doing a lot of little things well. But I think what you're seeing is a team that does a lot of little things above average, and they are starting to find a little bit of that opportunistic hitting, that timely hitting that Ron Polk always talks about. You know, you go back, It's here we are frustrated a little bit sometimes with our offensive performance, but you score eight runs and then you score 10 on the back side of that. And, you, you know, you had the bad game in the middle. But I think this is a team that's starting to figure out who it is at some degree. And I guess, Bart, that's one of the big questions is we're, we're starting to see guys – do well when they're given chances, and do well in spots. It's going to be really interesting to see, though, as this next few weeks of SEC baseball unwinds, are we going to decide, for example, that Brad Cummins is our left fielder? Are we going to decide that Tanner Leggett's our third baseman? Is Luke Hancock going to be your first baseman? Isn't it amazing? We're sitting here a game out of first. We've got a lot of guys who have done things well, a lot of guys who have played and it's almost like a major league baseball field in that right now, save for a couple of spots, you're really not sure who's going to be playing where when you show up at the ballpark because at least three of your positions have pretty big question marks on them.
0: That's absolutely right, and you mentioned being one game back. Let's look at the SEC real quick before we go. Arkansas goes to Baton Rouge. LSU able to get one game yesterday, and so we pick up a game on Arkansas. We're one game back of Arkansas, and of course they hold, and, of course, Arkansas – Holds the tiebreaker with us. Ole Miss had a real big weekend, sweeping South Carolina at home. For us to sweep A and M, stay one game above Ole Miss. So Arkansas is at fifteen and six. We're at fourteen and seven. Ole Miss at thirteen and eight. You look on the other side. You know Vandy's at fourteen and six. They've split. Now they could come back today. You know, Florida could win, and then all of a sudden you're tied with Vanderbilt and Tennessee for second place in the SEC at fourteen and seven. And then you look ahead to next weekend, okay? So now, all of a sudden, you're in the final three weekends of the year. Now, next weekend, here's how it looks, okay? You've got Alabama at Vanderbilt. So Vandy has a very advantageous weekend. Georgia is at Arkansas. They're playing at Bomb Stadium. That's going to be a good weekend for Arkansas. It should be. Ole Miss is on the road at A&M. That should be a good weekend for Ole Miss. Florida is at Kentucky. Should be a good weekend for Florida. I mean, these are the teams that are around us. We probably have the toughest of anybody. Even though South Carolina was swept on the road in Oxford this weekend, they're a different team at home. They beat Florida three games in Columbia. So that's the tough weekend. If we can somehow get past this weekend and do so and, and not go over there and and lay the egg, we really got a good chance to finish really, really high. And if some crazy things happen over the last couple of weeks, still got a chance to maybe win this thing.
1: Well, you think back to 2016, right? We won a lot of games coming into the clubhouse on that one. You know, we, we weren't, we got swept by Elm earlier in that year, if I remember correctly. And so we were able to bounce back and take advantage of a good schedule towards the end. These are the toughest three games by the numbers. And if you go over and you figure out a way to take two out of three, then I think you can feel really good about this team's chances on the way in.
0: Well, Charlie, hey, man, I enjoyed it. And, of course, we're brought to you on Sunday by Cannon Ford of Starkville. Cannon Ford, they've got spray and bed liner. They can do everything you can to a car as far as from a service standpoint. And that's kind of what they've become in Starkville is a big-time niche with their service, with their body shop, the things that they can do. If you need a battery, if you need that spray and bed liner, if you need to trick out your truck, no matter what you need, go down to Cannon Ford. They don't work on just – Fords and Lincolns, and, of course, they'll sell you a car as well. They'll sell you a Ford. They'll sell you a Lincoln. They'll sell you a used car, and they're great at it. They're great service people, but that's the thing about Canon Ford. They can do it all east of Startwell on Highway 182. Go by and see Chris Keene and all the fine folks out there. Dwayne, say, hey, you, you heard about it on the Sunday Coffee with, with Bart and Charlie, and uh, they, they probably won't give you a discount but they'll be very nice to you. Well, it really doesn't matter if you say Bart and Charlie. They're going to be nice to you regardless of what you do. So go by and check out the fine folks at Cannon Ford. Charlie, hey, y'all be careful coming back. I know you're probably sore today. Hey, let me tell you this, man. I have a tough time riding in a car for 26 miles without being sore. I can't imagine. And I'm not, I am mean, not. I, I just can't imagine. How was it? How was the core? Well, I mean, was it windy? How, how was Myrtle Beach?
1: Well, it was. I will admit this. I uh, I took a wrong turn, Bart, and uh, so I got a third of a mile just kind of as bonus. They didn't charge me extra for that. There was a split where the half marathoners go one way, the marathoners go the other, and this lady was emphatically pointing me to the left, so I went to the left. Then a little while later, somebody else turned me back around. So you know, it's uh, it got a little bonus mileage, you know, wrapped up in there. Uh, when you pa- it was windy.
0: When you passed that lady the second time, you didn't yell at her, did you?
1: No, I uh, I was I was too tired to talk at that point. Yeah, it was interesting. You know, last week, some of our good friends, some of the loyal baseball fans and avid listeners of the podcast up in Nashville uh, suggested that uh, I wasn't that bright of a person. And yesterday, about 20 miles into it, I was compelled to agree. I thought perhaps, that guy made a really good point. I'm not that bright after all, uh, but uh, it was good. It was interesting trying to watch. I was going to ask you because as I said, I watched all the games either on my phone or on my iPad. It's kind of laying around. In fact, I stayed up and watched the entire game on Friday. So I had about four hours sleep headed into the marathon. But I was curious because it's one of the things you can't always pick up from television. What was your take on the crowd this weekend? It looked like You know, there's always the one guy that I can hear that if we throw two balls in a row, he's screaming, throw strikes, you know, just, that's going to fix
0: everything. Yeah, I mean, that's – Who knew? And I said, that, I said that on a broadcast yesterday. You got somebody yelling throw strikes. Yeah, okay, the Houston Harding's out there saying, okay, that, that's going to be the the worm that turns it for me. Appreciate you. That, that helped, me, helped me out a lot. Hey, we could do a whole segment on things you hear at the ballpark. I thought the crowds were, were, were pretty good. I thought it was good on Friday night. I thought yesterday it was hot. It was kind of really one of the first hot days we had. It was 81 degrees. Really didn't have a whole lot of wind. And they cleared the ballpark in between the two games. I thought it was kind of late arriving for the second game yesterday, and it got better as the as the game went on. But, yeah, I thought the crowds were good. I mean, it was, uh, it was graduation weekend. You know, you probably had a lot. It was not as, as tight with the students in right field. So you didn't have that huge, massive you know crowd in right field. But, uh, no, I thought it was good. I thought it was a good weekend. I mean, it just kind of felt good at the ballpark. But, you know, going back to the point of sometimes the toughest things to do in sports as a player and sometimes from a mentality of a fan is to get overly excited about games you're supposed to win. And th- that's not a knock on a and M. A and m has beaten us every time they come to Starville, 14, 16, and 18. This is the first time we've beaten A&M in a home series. But it just felt a little different. And, and it just you just didn't have that edge you felt like with the crowd. But it was isn't good. An,
1: it, isn't it interesting, though, what's the thing we talk about with football coaches all the time? Win the games you're supposed to win. That's kind of the thing we always talk about state football coaches. Well, we we won the games we were supposed to. It feels like in baseball we haven't always been dominant. And look, baseball just doesn't lend itself to being dominant in this era. This is the reality of baseball now. There aren't going to be a lot of softball scores where somebody's winning 11-2. to two. They're going to turn on little things. But no matter who pitches where, no matter who hits where, who's playing left or right, we've been winning the games we're supposed to win. And I think that's one of the things that gives me some encouragement about where we are. Oh, one other thing we didn't mention. We have a midweek game this week. Chris Lamone is taking the team and he's having a little bit of a homecoming playing the citadel in south carolina on the way to that weekend trip
0: yeah it should be a good trip get to go over to charleston team uh team will probably go there. That's, that's a great place to eat charleston man it's a good good place to visit as well so yeah you go down to, to charleston play the citadel then go up to columbia and play three games that's not an easy part to win in in columbia and so it's a big weekend for state Hey, Charlie, enjoyed it as always. Y'all be careful coming back, and uh, I guess, uh, you know, we'll be back on the air in the midweek the next week. We have, what, UT Martin coming in in the midweek in a couple weeks, and so, hey, enjoy your week off. I guess we'll be back Thursday for out of left field, trying to put together a really good guest for that show. Enjoyed it last week with Will Clark. I talked to a lot of folks at the ballpark yesterday that said that they had listened to the, the show and had really enjoyed the conversation with Will Clark, and he was really good. Mark Johnson was good this past week as well. And so make sure you subscribe to the podcast if you're hearing it for the first time. And go on. We have some really good reviews, and the subscribe to it is still growing exponentially, which is just fantastic. I get asked about it daily, and I know you do too, too as well, Charlie. So it's been a lot of fun to to talk Bulldog baseball here in the spring, and it's a lot more fun when you're winning, and right now State's winning. So, hey, appreciate you guys hanging out with us here on a Sunday morning. Charlie is in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, having run a marathon. I'm at the studios this morning in Starkville. Hadn't rained yet, overcast skies, but the Bulldogs win all three this past weekend at home against Texas A&M, and you've been listening to Sunday Coffee, presented by Cannon Ford of Starville.